Well, good morning. Welcome to one of my favorite Sundays of the year, week four, the last week of our World Tour series. We've been spending the month of November looking out beyond our walls, what God is calling us to do and to be for his kingdom purposes. And this is one of my favorites as it puts a cap on that series and also selfishly because there's a pig roast afterwards. And I really love the pig roast. And I love the company at the pig roast too. So uh, if you're a guest or a visitor here, we probably have enough for you. We'd love to have you stay for lunch and get to know us here today as well. You're invited to join us for that. If you've been here for these weeks, if you've heard nothing else during this whole series, I hope that you that you walk away with these words echoing in your ear. We've said them every week we've been here. The truth that all of us as followers of Jesus Christ have been called to go. We've been called to go somewhere, somehow, for God's kingdom purposes. Remember when Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples together and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, with that authority behind us, he says, go. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them. Go. That's our calling. You and I have been called to go, and, and we talked last week about having the courage. I hope that, that, that God gives you the courage when he nudges you to go in his name in big ways or small, that you say, I have that authority of Jesus, and I'm going to go. I'm going to trust in him. Going might be big and it might be small. Going might be going to Greece to help refugees as Amy Bernard did this week. She's there right now. She heard God's call to say, I want you to go far away for this time. And she went. Going might be as simple as, as building a relationship with a neighbor, of taking the time to go talk to him or her instead of just waving as you drive by. It might be as simple and profound as writing a note, making a phone call, talking to that kid in the locker you know, down the bank from you that no one else talks to. God's call to go takes so many different ways. But all of us, all of us have been called to go. I also want you to hear this morning and recognize the truth that some of us have been set apart for special ministry, to go beyond that everyday calling here in this in this life we live here. Right, we've been learning from the Apostle Paul all through this month, right? And we, we've looked at his ministry and, and learned from that. And if you look at Paul's ministry through the book of Acts, it's pretty obvious that God gives him a special calling, right? God calls him to step out of the life that he knew and to step into a totally, radically new life, to dedicate his whole life to going. So Paul went. He went far away from home. He went far away from the people that he knew and loved and went to people that, that no one else had gone to before. He accepted God's calling to step out of the life he had been living and to step into the new life that God had designed for him. Now again, many of us, most of us, have been called by God to stay right here and to, to be his kingdom advocates in the, in the workplace where you're at, in the school where you're at, in the neighborhood where you're at, in the family where you are at. But some of us, for some of us, obedience to God's calling is or will be stepping out of this life that we have known and dedicating our lives to going for God. 
I want us to look at this morning at Paul's transition. Paul's transition to accepting that call to go far away. It's a transition that we often forget, that we often skip over, right? When we think about Paul's life, those of us who have read the book of Acts and we've grown up in the church and we know about Paul, we, we jump huge sections of his life, right? So we start by, by Paul, known as Saul then, and he'll go by both names in our Bible reading today. Uh, Saul riding his horse to Damascus to persecute the Christians. Right? He's the number one enemy of Christians. And you know the story probably where, where the, the beam of light comes down from the sky, the, the face of Jesus, the bright light of Jesus knocks him off his horse and the voice of Jesus calls him and, and Paul answers that calling. Right? He's blinded. He goes to Damascus. Ananias comes and heals him and Paul is baptized. And he accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And we often go from that moment to, and then he went out on mission trips. And he became the first missionary to, to transform this world. Well, there was time in between there too. And there's some significant lessons about going that we need to learn from the time in between. Lessons for our own going. So we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 13 this morning. You want to take out your Bibles, turn to Acts 13, page 1069 in the Bibles you have in front of you. While you're looking that up, let me fill you in on what's happened to Paul, who again is still referred to Saul at this point, leading up to Acts 13. Hey, if you know anything about Paul, you know that he was never one to lack in courage, so in Acts chapter 9, when he meets Jesus on this road to Damascus, he was baptized in Damascus, right, the city he was going to persecute. And we, we find out what he does right after his baptism. He stays in Damascus, and it says that he, he went to the synagogue, and he started teaching them all about Jesus, boldly, courageously, teaching them that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus is the way. And he's so bold, and he's so courageous that the Jewish leaders in Damascus hate him. That they hate him so much that they put a hit out on his life. They station their thugs at the city gate day and night. And if Paul were to ever try and step out of that city, those thugs were going to follow him and were going to murder him. So Paul takes his first ride in the basket. Won't be his last ride in the basket. And they let him out through the window in the city wall and he escapes Damascus. And he heads right over to Jerusalem, we read. And, and he goes to Jerusalem. And what does he do in Jerusalem? He goes to the synagogue and he starts boldly and courageously telling them about Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the, and the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem hate him. And they threaten to kill him. This time he is able to escape through the front gate to the city. He escapes Jerusalem, and, and he escapes with some friends, some disciples, leaders of the church, and they, they take him to the coast, they put him on a boat, and they send him to Tarsus, his home. It's where he grew up. So Paul goes back home. Now, we don't get to read anything about what Paul does while he's back home. But knowing what we know about Paul, my guess is he didn't silently sit at home and do nothing. My guess is he did what many of us are called to do. In our homes, in our hometowns, in the places where we work and live and serve, he talked about Jesus. He boldly and courageously spoke the truth of Jesus. It's the life he knew. God didn't leave him there. God had another plan for Paul. 
And so in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas, a church leader, probably the top church leader of that, era, of that time, he travels to Tarsus specifically to find Paul because he knows Paul is there. And he brings Paul back to Antioch the center of the Christian church at that time. And there we read that Paul and Barnabas together spend a year teaching and leading that church and learning together. And there, there Paul finds a new home. Home is now Antioch for him. Then comes chapter 13. Listen to what happens. Verses 1 through 3, Acts chapter 13. In the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Think, think about that. In the matter of, of just three short verses, Paul goes from being, from being a church leader in this newly established home of Antioch to suddenly being a missionary that they walk out to the coast, they put on a boat, and they send them off to Cyprus. Right, but it goes so fast, but there's some significant lessons in these verses that we need to learn through this whirlwind process that we need to pay attention to. Lessons that still shape us today and shape our partnership with those who have received God's call to go. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, in, this, in these verses, that Paul is sent on behalf of the church. Right, verse 2 sets the stage for us. This church in Antioch, we're told, is gathered together to worship. It says they're worshiping the Lord and fasting. That's the setting. That's the context. I find it interesting, quick Greek lesson here too, that, that the, there's multiple words for worship. And the one that Luke chooses is fasting because he chooses the word liturgio. Okay? Liturgio, that, that's worship in the form of service. They're, they're serving. They're doing things for God. The other one he could have used was proskenio, which is worship in terms of, of kneeling and bowing and, and humbling in that act of worship. He said, no, no, they're, they're serving. They're, they're active in their worship of God as they fast. They're offering themselves to God, this church. They're offering themselves fully to God as their act of worship. And as they're doing that, as they're busy offering themselves, God gives them a brand new opportunity to worship, to, to live for him, to live this service out. They're invited to send two of their most valued members, two key leaders in their community, away. To send them far, far away for the cause of growing God's kingdom. Now, I don't think it's at all an accident that the Holy Spirit's message comes within the context of worship. Barnabas and Paul are sent as the church's act of worship. Right? All of our going, all of our going, 
whether we're called to go far, far away, or whether we're called right nearby in our schools and neighborhoods and homes and workplaces, all of our going is our act of worship. Right? Too often we box our definition of worship inside this room and at this time, this is worship. And I think the message here, no, your going is your worship. This is part of it. But when you step out of here, there's your worship. Their serving is their worship. And we can't miss here the communal focus of Paul and Barnabas' calling. Right? It's the Holy Spirit in this story. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks God's calling to Barnabas and Paul to go, right? But did you notice? It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul and Barnabas. It doesn't say, and the Holy Spirit said to Paul and Barnabas, I want you to go, so go. It's not the way it works. He doesn't tell Paul and Barnabas to go. He tells the church to send. The Holy Spirit calls the church to set apart these individuals for the work to which I have called them. The whole focus of this account is on the church. It is the church, that local community, that confirms the voice of the Holy Spirit, that confirms the calling. It is this local church that then lays their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sends them as missionaries. It is the local church that does the action here. It sends them, literally, that word to send, literally means released them. Right? They belong to that community, and the community said, we release you, we let you go. For God's purposes. Now, these three verses, short as they are, they show us that there is a clear partnership in ministry for those who have been called to go in these life-shaping kinds of ways. Right? There's, a, there's a really a dual calling from God here. They are called to go. We are called to send. Right? God's missionary calling is inspired, given by the Holy Spirit, owned and confirmed by the church, and fulfilled together with those sending and those being sent. And this partnership means that there's, there's responsibilities for both parties in this relationship. Right? Those who go cannot go on their own. Again, the Holy Spirit did not specifically come and speak only to Paul and Barnabas and say, I want you to go. So all by yourself, you go. No, it came through the church. So those who go cannot go on their own. There must be a humble submission to, to God's work through his bride, the church, which confirms the calling, which enables them to go, which holds them accountable, accountable and provides for them. Okay, so those who go can't go alone. And those who send, that's us, those who send can't just send them, release them, and forget about them. As easy as it is to get caught up in our own lives, we cannot do that. We share that calling. We share their calling, and we have the privilege and responsibility to partner with them throughout the extent of that calling. We don't send and forget we send and we continue to boldly empower them through our support, through our encouragement, through our prayers. We can't just forget about their calling because their calling, remember, is our 
calling. They are working on behalf of us, the church. It is out of our worship that they are serving. It is through our partnership that they are serving. It is on behalf of us that they are serving. It is through them that we are being faithful and obedient to God's call to send. That's why, that's why we find in Paul's story a pattern that has now continued for almost 2,000 years. Right? Barnabas and Paul are sent. And here at the beginning of chapter 13, they go. <laughs> it's amazing. From that worship service, they go, and they're on a boat to Cyprus. The rest of chapter 13, most of chapter 14, gives all of the details of that first missionary journey that they go on. And it comes to an end at the end of chapter 14. And verse 26 tells us about their return back home. Listen to their reunion, starting at verse 26 of chapter 14. It says, from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they now had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. It's interesting. First of all, Luke, who writes the book of Acts, Remind us of the partnership between Barnabas and Paul and this church in Antioch, right? This is the church, it says, where, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they now completed. In other words, this is the community that shares their calling with them. This is the church that was in partnership with them in ministry. And Barnabas and Paul, they come to this community and what do they do? They gather them all together to hear all about what God has done through them. They come back and they give a report. Just like we have our missionaries do when they come back home. Why? Because they aren't telling about their ministry. They're telling us about our ministry. Their ministry is our ministry. Verse 27 says that they reported all that God had done through them. I wondered this week as I looked at that and read that. Who is the them? All that God had done through them. Now, it's pretty obvious linguistically that the them is probably the work that God had done through Barnabas and Paul. But part of me wants to say, no, the them points back to the church early in. Because they did it all together. They did it in partnership together. I would guess, I would guess that most of us are, here are like me. That when you think of the ministries of Ivan Rest Church, you probably think of the things that we do right here. Right here, maybe in this building. I know, I know that's where my mind first goes. I think of all the ministries we have for kids. I think of iKids and iClub and, and cadets and gems and youth group for middle school and high school. I think of, of I study. I think of all the Bible studies that happen throughout the week. I think of the support groups that come here. I think of Koinonia. I think of Alpha on Thursday nights. I think of Family Promise. They're, they're coming today. Our Family Promise week starts today. I think of the Western Apartments. I think of all those things we do nearby here. What I forget about too often, now I guess many of you are like me, what I forget about is the ministry that we are doing all around the world. 
as we live out our calling to partner with those that we're called to send. You know what? You know what we are doing all around the world? We are discipling African church leaders and helping people find freedom in Christ in Uganda. And we're doing that right along with Josh and Mandy Sharda and their family. We're doing that. God is doing that through us. Right? We are equipping and empowering church and community leaders in Romania with Steve and Jan Mishmerheisen. We are strengthening a cluster of churches and church leaders in Japan, a notoriously difficult culture to, to bring the gospel to. And we're doing that. We're, in, we're helping this cluster of churches and church leaders, especially in the areas of worship and evangelism. We're teaching in the Christian school there, along with Larry and Ruth Spalink. We're ca- we are caring for 18,000 refugees in the Zaleka refugee camp in Malawi. We're managing various construction projects. We're caring specifically for children and young people. We're doing that through Steve and April Palmboss and their kids. You know what we're doing? We're bringing the gospel of hope to Jesus Christ, to the lost and the dying in Guatemala. We're also bringing them medicine. We're bringing them housing that's much needed. We're doing it all through Dan and Heidi Smith and Paradise Bound Ministries. Some of you have joined them directly. We're empowering Native Americans, Native Americans who when they accept the truth of Jesus Christ are rejected and persecuted by their family members. We are empowering them, encouraging them to be faithful, supporting them through the persecution that they're going through. And we're doing all that in Zuni, New Mexico with Mike and Artie Mikoff and their family. We're teaching second graders in Nicaragua. We're teaching them not only, not only knowledge, but we're teaching them faith, and we're teaching them how to be faithful to Jesus Christ. We're doing that all through Angie Johnson. We're going right downtown here in Grand Rapids, and we're, we're engaging in the, both the spiritual and the physical restoration of hurting people downtown Grand Rapids through Bridge Street House of Prayer along with Michael Cunning. We are planting a church, you and I are, in the heart of Oakland, a city that desperately needs to know Jesus, and we're building relationships with people who need to know him, along with Kyle and Stephanie Brooks. We're equipping, and we're serving, and we're encouraging church leaders all around the world, literally all around the world, with Tim and Renee Opperly and their family. That's what God is doing through us. We have the privilege of doing all of that. We're doing it in partnership together. And if you want to know more about those partnerships with those, if you want to know more about those individuals and those families, go to the church website. We just redid it, and there's an outreach tab. All of these families, almost all of them, have, have their stories there. They have their newsletters. They have their blogs. Go check it out. Hear their stories. These are the individuals, the families that God has called to go And these are the individuals and the families that God has called us to send. We're obeying together. I, I hope that on this last world tour Sunday, I hope that each one of us will hear God's calling us to partnering with those who have been sent through us. And I don't know exactly what that means for every single individual here. Because partnering together can look very different. That's another conversation for you to have with God, to hear his whisper. 
to hear his conviction in your heart. So many ways to partner together. But let me just share a few options. And maybe God will prick your heart and you'll want to pursue one of these. I just shared with you 10 missionaries that we, that we officially have partnered with, that we have helped to send. Maybe God, as we went through them, maybe God laid on your heart one of them, and he wants you to focus on one. Right? One whose ministry excited you the most when you heard about it. One who maybe you, you kind of know already, and, and so it would be great to build on that relationship. Or maybe one that you don't know at all and you want to know. Maybe God is asking you to choose one and saying for the next year, how about you pray for that, that person? How about you partner with that person? Or maybe, maybe if you zip through them all, maybe God's asking you to partner with all of them. All right, there's 10 of them. Why not commit to one a month for, for 10 out of the 12 months of the year? You know, I, on my desk in my office, right by my phone, I have a stack of these missionary prayer cards, right? That whenever missionaries come to speak with us, they make these available, or sometimes they come in the mail to me. And right by my phone, you'll see this stack. And there's always one of them looking at me, reminding me of our partnership and reminding me to pray. And every once in a while, I just flip to the next one, and I pray. And a few weeks later, I flip to the next one, and I pray. And it's just a way to, for me to remember that partnership. Maybe you want to find a stack of these. We can find them for you. There's some over by the kitchen. Maybe you're going to say, I'm going to flip through them on my refrigerator, on my magnetic board. Maybe you're going to throw them in the dashboard of your car because that's where you can spend time to pray. Still focus on driving, of course, but, but maybe that's where you can spend time just to be reminded of the partnership that you have. So think today about, about who it is that God might be asking you to partner with. Maybe he's already told you. Then listen to him to find out how. Because there's so many ways. So many ways to do ministry together. So many ways to answer God's call to send. Now let me give you a few of those, right? On the church website, I mentioned our ministry partners have provided links to their newsletters, to their blogs. Why not choose to follow Maybe all their blogs, or maybe the one that God laid on your heart, you're going to follow their blog, you're going to learn more about their ministry. You're going to dive in and learn. That's what partnering means. Believe me, there's a lot worse ways to spend time on the internet than learning how to partner with your missionary. Okay, so check them out. Read their newsletter. Read their blog. And it's so simple now than to encourage them. To encourage them maybe with, with a an email that has questions about what's going on, an email that, that, that encourages them, just let them know that you're thinking of them, that you're remembering them. The messages don't need to be long. Just let them know they're remembered and they're cared for and they're supported and there's a partner there for them. Pray for them. Just commit to praying for them regularly and specifically. Right? All those newsletters, all those blogs give specific ways to pray. So when I answer that invitation, what an encouragement it must be to remember them at special moments when they feel the challenges of being far away from family, from the life that they knew. Why not remember them on their birthday? Why not remember them Thanksgiving, Christmas, other times of the year and send them a note, give them a gift, whatever it might be. And finally, why not consider supporting them financially? Right? 
I'll speak for all our missionaries who are always too polite and it's too awkward to ask that when they come to visit, right? But one of the greatest gifts we can have we can give is to encourage and free them from the worry of finances so they can answer God's call to go. Right? In just a few minutes, I'm going to have you ask you to take out your faith promise commitment card that's, that's in the benches in front of you. We do this at the end of our world tour every year. And we ask, okay, above and beyond the tithe, above and beyond what we give normally to, to God's kingdom work, what are you willing to pledge for the coming year to give for the cause of the kingdom going far from here. And I would encourage you, this money isn't for, for Ivan Rest Church. It goes from here for kingdom purposes. I would encourage you to give generously to this, to pledge generously. Well, let me challenge you even more. Pledging to, to this is great. I think we should. That doesn't need to stop you from giving directly to those people God has called you to partner with to send. You can still go above and beyond and, and give directly to them. Pray about supporting them financially. And I, I, I think few of us know the stress that goes into depending on other people's giving for your own salary to make ends meet. That is difficult. And when, and when they don't know what's coming, they don't know what's there, it's how do you make a budget? If you could... Let me get even more specific. If you, if you know you're going to give to them, if you, God calls you to give, why not give regularly that they can count on, a regular pattern? Tell them what they can count on. You know, when, when God convicts me to give specifically to a ministry, um, I do two things. First, I confirm it with Stacy, which is always wise to do, right? And then I set it up in my automatic withdrawal. So every month on the same date, they can count on it. They can know it. And you know what? I leave it going that way, open-ended, until God tells me to stop. And he usually doesn't tell me to stop, and that's okay because I never miss it. I never miss it. And I get the privilege of being a partner in ministry together. I don't know what it's going to look like for you, the who and the how. But dare to ask that question because each one of us has been called to go right where God has placed us, right? We've been called to go to our school hallways and to our offices and, and to the grocery store and to our neighborhoods and to our families and build relationships for the kingdom of God. And every single one of us has been called to send. What a privilege we have to partner on behalf of God's kingdom. And so for those of you who have already answered that call to send, celebrate that partnership today. Celebrate, send an extra note. Send an extra email and say, I'm thinking of you, praying for you today. And for those of you who are, who are ready to answer that call to send, why not ask God to tell you today where to start? And why not begin? Join in the joy of doing God's work together all around the world. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you. Thank you for giving the call to go far, far away to so many people. And thank you for their courage in answering that call. Thank you for the courage that you gave them, whether they 
they live right here in Granville or Grand Rapids or whether they're living far in another continent, the courage to step out of the life that they had been living and to step into a whole new life dedicated to your kingdom cause. Thank you for calling them to go and empowering them to go. And thank you for giving us the privilege and calling us to send. Help us, Father, to, as, as a church community and as individuals to take that calling seriously, to recognize the partnership you have invited us to be in. And Father, may we celebrate. May we celebrate your kingdom coming all around the world. May we celebrate lives being changed by your Holy Spirit working through us and them. May we celebrate justice being established by your Holy Spirit through us and through them. May we celebrate churches being planted and empowered all around the world by your Holy Spirit through us and through them. May we celebrate the truth of your grace being shared by your Holy Spirit through us and through them. Father, may your kingdom come here and may your kingdom come there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take our offerings for the morning. Our offerings are for the ministries here at Ivan Rest Church. While we take the offering, I want you to be praying about what God has asked you to fill in on this card, about how God has asked you to partner with ministry going on all around the world in the coming year. Okay, And when you leave today, there's going to be a deacon at the door with a basket that's willing to take, um, take half of this. You, half of it 